Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Red Wall Podcast. I'm your host, per usual. My name is Marcelo Nestroza, and I'd like to welcome you to episode number 75, entitled Starfleet Boy. In this edition of the show, I sit down with yet another online Star Trek friend of mine by the name of Soul Hale. But if you guys are familiar with the Star Trek online culture, specifically YouTube, you might know him as aka Starfleet Boy. So with all that being said and out of the way, I really hope that you enjoy the conversation that I had with my good friend, Sohail. Welcome to the Red Wall, uh, Starfleet Boy. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be on. Where I would like to start uh, this evening conversation out is when was your first contact with Star Trek in general? So my first contact was at a very young age. So I think I, I I like to say it was around age three, between somewhere between age three and five. And uh, my father introduced our family uh, to Star Trek. He watched it when it aired in Karachi, Pakistan. Um, and he watched it on a black and white TV. So actually he never, he didn't know it was in color. When we moved to the United States, we got our first color TV and Star Trek used to air in syndication. And so we started watching it as a family. So some of my first, you know, cause he loved the show and he thought it was family friendly and, you know, good, good fun and so on and so forth. So uh, it was cool because for him, I mean, I didn't realize this at the time <clears throat> when I was a little kid, but for him, it was like seeing it again for the first time cause it was in color. And then for me, it was my introduction to Star Trek and I totally fell in love. Like, so much so that I, uh, you know, I can remember in like first grade, kindergarten, around that age, uh, you know, kids kids have imaginary friends. Well, I, I conjured Spock as my imaginary friend. So Spock would follow me around and sometimes he'd be there when I needed him or, you know, help me out like to keep my logical mind and things like that. So I would say that, you know, that was a really good thing. So yeah, a very young age, like basically before I can even remember. What is it that appeals to you about the Star Trek? Do you like the philosophy? Do you like the adventure? Or do you like the overall message that Star Trek gives us? I think all of the above. I mean, at different points in my life, I've um, <clears throat> I've appreciated different aspects of Star Trek. Uh, so like when I was really young, of course, the action and adventure and the starships and the technology you know, those were the coolest things about it. And then uh, TNG came out when I was, I think I was like around, probably around 10 or 11 years old. Uh, and I remember when that came out, it it was a little bit different. Like, obviously, all those things were still in play, but I started getting the message more about like, you know, um, inclusion and diversity and a future where everyone works towards like the betterment of all. And like, you know, the concepts that are being introduced, like through the United Federation of Planets and like, you know, and then that at, at that age, a little earlier than that, but, but especially through TNG, uh, I started to appreciate the science aspect of it. And it got me into science science class was uh more interesting because i just always imagined i was in a, in a lab you know on a starship or something doing you know especially chemistry was fun to pretend uh you know i was on a starship doing like some sort of like experiment on an alien life form or a plant or whatever you know whatever the case may be and now um 
as an adult, it's just very meaningful because it's kind of like a, you know, a source of comfort, like Star Trek's just like my default go-to. And uh, with the new shows, uh, I really appreciate that there's even more, um, more of that message of, you know, um, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. Like you see it a lot more, I think, in the newer shows than you ever saw before. And I really appreciate that as well. It's interesting that you say we see it in the newer shows. Uh, we see it in the newer shows more than we did the uh, older shows. Can you elaborate on that just a little bit? Yeah, I'm not trying to uh, diss or knock on the older shows. I think they did a great job for the time, but they were also bound by the social kind of mores and like ideas of the time. Like, for example, you didn't see a lot of uh, sexual uh, diver- sexual preference diversity or you know things like that that were considered taboo on television or in you know or in film and stuff like that at the time so that's what i mean by by we see more diversity uh on the newer shows and even even then i think also we just see more diversity of thought diversity you know like uh, uh in terms of ideas like villains are not so much you know um you know, black or white anymore. They're a little bit more shades of gray, you know, and things like that. So I think that the newer shows are the children of the uh, older shows in a sense, but they've, and and that's why they've become in a way, in some ways, an improvement in terms of the messaging of Star Trek and, and sort of giving people something new to think about, which is another thing that I really appreciate about Star Trek is that it's always evolving and always thought provoking. It's interesting that you say that because I always find myself surrounded by people who call them. I mean, not now because I f- I fucking learn my lesson, and I and, and I and I tend to move towards the positive side of Trek Twitter. But I remember when Discovery first started, I was surrounded by a bunch of fucking Star Trek gatekeepers who said <laughs> Discovery was a blight on the franchise. Those same people said that. When JJ uh, saved Star Trek in 09, they basically said that they turned Star Trek into Star Wars. And my argument to them would be any franchise deserves to, deserves to change and grow and, and become something new. So what is it about this new iteration of Star Trek? What do you think is the problem that those people have with new, new iterations of Star Trek? That's a great question. Um, well, I'll just I'll just start by saying that personally, I didn't react to Discovery very well either at first. Like my biggest problem with the show was that it didn't fit into my personal idea of what this era of Star Trek should look like. You know, like I had a problem with the Klingons, and I also had, you know I also had a problem with like just how the technology just didn't seem to fit with TOS, you know, in the sense, and like the starships looked a little more like the, the film versions than they did of the TV version. So I didn't see what I wanted was something like a little more faithful visually so that I could see it connecting to TOS. And so that was kind of a hindrance for me in the beginning. And I think that might've been like that was one of those bold choices that they made that unfortunately didn't turn out maybe the best, you know, for the best, because it's an easy, you know, the visual continuity is an easy target to start. If you don't like a show, that's like the easiest thing to kind of like, you know, harp on. But, uh, 
and I, and I'll say this because uh, just sorry for for going on a tangent here, but I was one of those Trekkies that like I actually didn't finish Voyager, and I also didn't finish Enterprise. I never even finished Enterprise when they first <gasps> aired. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It sounds sounds shocking to to hear, especially if you know me, you know online and stuff like that. Yeah. <clears throat> no, 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 uh, no, no. I'm gonna you're gonna you're gonna jump down my throat in a second. So just keep going. <laughs> okay, cool. So so I I mean I even made statements like you know and and this is true. I generally am um, repulsed by prequels. Like I like to go forward. I don't like to go back. I like uh, so like my expectation for Star Trek for the longest time has always been like what's next? Like what's after the next generation? And that was like what I was hungering for. So I admit that I was I was definitely disappointed initially. However, uh because I do the 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 podcast, you know, the the YouTube show and and I've been lax on the podcast, but it's a it's a simulcast of the YouTube show basically, but we're way behind on the episodes on the podcast. But but anyways, because I do that and I had to kind of like watch Discovery and and analyze it critically, I started falling in love with the show. It's a great show like and and again, like when you can get pa- once I started getting past like this um this sort of like uh and again, a personal uh expectation or desire of like what klingon should look like or what starships should look like it didn't bother me anymore and now i really love the show i especially love season three of star trek discovery i think that's the season that really solidified my interest in it and i'm now really excited for season four and and beyond um and then the other thing that that um you know going back to enterprise and voyager i'm now almost a completionist I just finished Enterprise, loved it. It was a great show. It's a great show. I'm so sad that I was such a idiot and didn't watch it the first time around. And I'm watching Voyager and I'm really enjoying it. It didn't pick up for me until now, which is I'm on season five, but I'm not finished with Voyager, but I'll finally have finished Voyager. So I'm excited about that. And then in the in the new shows, I love the the J.J. Abrams movies, by the way. Uh, that was one of yeah. That was one of the things. Like I was disappointed in Star Trek uh, Into Darkness just at the ending. Like I like everything about the film up until like maybe the last fifteen uh, twenty minutes. Um, but it's not it's not that big a deal. Still strong and Beyond is probably my favorite. I think. Um, but uh, I uh, yeah, Star Trek's just stronger than it ever has been. And and just to put the cherry on top, Star Trek Picard. I'm like a super stan for i like to <laughs> I, I actually defend it i i you know i'm super in love with it like it's my i think it might be my favorite star trek uh i have to wait till it ends to to make that decision hopefully that answered the question about what i think bothered people initially and as far as gatekeeping goes i will just say this to people who think that there's like a uh a criteria or a pass or a or a test or like a you know, a certain like, you know, who, who gatekeep in general, like gates are all gone. Like the internet kind of destroyed all the gatekeeping. Like, you know what I mean? Like back in the day you needed someone maybe to shepherd you into the world of Star Trek, but that's gone. Like, so gatekeepers are just fighting a losing battle if they think that they can, you know, do that. And so I think, uh, I think it's a wonderful time. I'll t- I'll take you back to the pilot of Star Trek Discovery. I remember being so pleased and so happy. The thing that really uh, distressed me and broke my heart the first time I saw Discovery, I remember going online the day after 
and I didn't I I didn't know the positive part of Trek Twitter. I wasn't I wasn't on board yet with with, with all you wonderful people. <laughs> and I remember going on I remember going on Twitter and I kept running into people that said this Star Trek basically raped my childhood. It, it it was it was just a betrayal, right? I got I got so upset that I started crying, right? Wow. And I yeah. Uh, I'm a sissy. Sorry. No, that's I, right. Uh, I, I cry. Um, I cry at, at the drop of a hat. It's fine. Yeah. So, so I ran into this wonderful Irish gentleman. His name is uh, uh, the Trek Collector. He does. Uh, oh yeah, Chris. Yeah, Chris he, Judge. Yeah, he's great. You know Chris, right? Well, I don't know him personally, but yeah, I know him from online. Yeah, yeah he's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So, so I ran into him because I had recently started watching his videos with his uh, with his friend uh, Irish Trekkie, which Damien, I, I love yeah. those guys. Yeah, yeah I they're love awesome. Guys. They were one of my first. Those were also the first pe- one of the first people I met on Twitter as well. They're they're wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're a wonderful uh, a group of guys. Actually, they have a they actually expanded their podcast now. They have a third co-host i don't know who she is but oh her name is um oh gosh uh, she's gonna well i don't know if she knows who i am but oh gosh what's her name um linda she's great she does yeah. she's a cool trek she does a lot of cosplay she's a voiceover artist um so she's like you know she she's talented in that way as well and she does crochet and stuff too she makes like really you know clothing and hats and stuff it's very cool so i was basically distraught and i ran into him and I, before I ran into him, like an hour before, I was like, am I going crazy here or should I just stop watching the show? Because I started to believe all the shit that negative Twitter was feeding me. That's the first time in my life that I ever felt so impacted in a negative sense by a fandom. So I, I saw his tweet and he said, he said something to the effect of, I love the new Star Trek Discovery. It's awesome and I can't wait to see where it goes from here. So I wrote him a message and I said, thank you so much because I was considering I was considering locking myself in an insane asylum because I thought I was the only one, you know? <laughs> and, you know, months later, I discovered positive, tra- you know, uh, po- the, the positive quadrant of Star Trek Twitter. And you guys have really been my civilization uh, ever since I found you and uh, all you wonderful people on uh, on Star Trek Twitter, you guys are great. That's awesome. Welcome to the Federation. I I, <laughs> I like to look at it. I like to look at it. So like uh, you know, I definitely consider myself to be a a person who leans on the positive side of things. You know, you got to accentuate the positive, mm-hmm. eliminate the negative, mm-hmm. hold on to the affirmative, and don't mess with Mister In Between. That's like an old song, but uh, <laughs> but I will say. One of the unfortunate things about how polarized uh, conversations and discussions tend to be on Twitter is that there are genuinely Trekkies out there who are giving valid critiques, um, you know, for the new shows and they're being kind of lumped in sadly into the, into this like group of people that are like, you know, considered negative and whatnot. And, you know, not everyone can have like a a bubbly, cheery personality and nor should they, you know, that's what we need is like, again, diversity of thought, diversity of like, um, personality. Like if we were all the same, like life would be really, really boring. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you did find your way to like a more balanced approach and like a, a community that's more encouraging and more, 
you know, open-minded and so on and so forth. But I will just say that like what I have seen is that there's just these two extreme factions, like these like extremely hyperbolized, like negative, you know, the people who are saying it raped my childhood and, you know, these like crazy statements. And then there's this other faction and I've been there a little bit too, because when I was defending Picard, I sometimes sounded like a crazy person, but you know, who are kind of like on the other extreme where it's like, you know, like perhaps, you know, blindly positive, if you will. Uh, and so it's just, it's just something I think that happens and it's a matter of really like, you know, kind of finding a balance between the two sides. We all have that, you know, in us, we all have those two extremes. And and I think the important thing is to like, just kind of sit back, you know, if something offends you, just sit back for a second and, you know, count to 10 and, and think about it. And then, you know, maybe make your statement after that instead of just reacting. I ran into a YouTuber that I, that I was like watching for 10 years and he really grew up on Star Trek. Star Trek was a thing that made him want to become uh, a director, right? He's, uh, you've, you've probably heard of him. His name is Robert, Robert Meyer Burnett, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You've heard, you've heard, I think he wrote uh, or he did something. He uh, did a, a free enterprise. That's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't watch his program, unfortunately. It's like... I don't have a lot of time, uh, but I've caught glimpses of him here and there. And, uh, you know, not talking about Star Trek necessarily. He's, a, he's an interesting fellow. I had a conversation with him. And basically in the conversation, he insulted Akiva Goldsman, Alexander Kurtzman, Roberto. He insulted everybody and called them useless morons for what they did to Star Trek. And I'm like, dude, you can disagree with what they did to Star Trek, you that, that's your right, but to call them useless individuals for, for just writing a TV show, that's going a little bit too far. So, I mean, I I was like, dude, I was following you. I'm, I'm like, I, I never want to hear you talk again because he took some of my favorite writers. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Akiva Goldsman, but Alexander Kurtzman and Roberto Orsi are two of my favorite they are two of my favorite writers of all time so to insult them is like you know just shoot me already yeah i think i think uh and again i don't i don't know his work that well as far you know robert meyer burnett but i will just yeah. say in, as a general statement if you resort to like if all you can do is if the only if you can only find it in you to resort to calling people names like you know who are working hard. These are people who are working hard. They're very, they're established. I mean, like, yeah. uh, you know, Alex Kurtzman, <laughs> you know, got to where he is through hard work and like, yeah. he must be doing something right. Otherwise people wouldn't keep hiring him. Right. Like, so yeah. for Robert Meyer Burnett to say things like that, if he did say those things, I'm sorry that he insulted one of your favorite um, writers, but for him to resort to that, it just means he doesn't really have a valid critique. He just, all he can do, he's just showing that he's jealous and that he's calling someone a name and that's all it is at the end of the day. And that's the other thing is like, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of conversations, I have a lot of conversations about Star Trek. That's what my whole uh, YouTube is. It's just a casual and informal discussion about Star Trek week after week. And a lot of times, you know, I would get, I, I rarely will harp on someone, but I started harping, you know, first on myself, but also, you know, uh, like one of the critiques is, oh, it's lazy writing. And I'm, and, and I thought about that and I, and I thought about that. I'm like, well, no, it's actually not lazy writing. Maybe they made a mistake. That's totally valid. 
but these people are like professional writers. What are you doing? What am yeah. I doing? I don't write. I'm a lazy writer. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. you know, these are def- they're, they're definitely not lazy in terms, and they're definitely not writing in a lazy way and they might have been like there might be you know circumstances that we don't know about like you know deadlines and things that like could cause you to like maybe not flesh out a storyline or something like that but you know i think people who are criticizing the industry need to take that account and i would be surprised because you know robert meyer burnett's a writer and so if he uses things like that i'm i'm very surprised that he would resort to stuff like that and in his defense, that one video, he might he, he might have been, you know, drinking a little bit before he actually made oh, the video. See. Well, it's not a defense. I drink too, and I've learned that you're still responsible for your actions when you drink. Hey, so, <laughs> look, look, oh, I, drunk, cool. I, I drank before this interview. Very nice. I didn't, I didn't have time to drink this time. I've only got water, but I do like to have a drink at night. So yeah. <laughs> cheers to you, though. I think the thing that really hurt me the most is that I'm a screenplay writer myself. And for, you know, it, it was like he attacked one of my, one of my own. So I, I, I can't, you know, I couldn't, uh, um, quantify what he was saying, but then again, he must've been drunk or whatever. Yeah. Moving, a, yeah, moving away for, for just a little bit from talking about, uh, Structure Discovery and Structure Picard. We'll come back to that. But I, um, I'm very interested in finding out about a particular relationship that you have with one of uh, with one of the most interesting and wonderful people in the Star Trek Online community. Uh, Check on the tube. What is oh. the deal? What is the deal between this? You you guys have like the most awesomest bromance ever. <laughs> What's the deal with that? <laughs> I think that's just what it is. It's a romance, <laughs> like, and that's all it is. I mean, there's no deal yeah. with it. I think I think it's just like, uh, you know, I was very fortunate to uh, um, to meet some really great people, but Sean in particular really started, really got into our discussions on my show, and he did the bulk of the TNG discussions with me. So like, so we really went on this journey. Like, I think he started around season three, maybe, and then he was pretty much on every episode. Uh, going into all the way through season seven when we did those discussions. So when you spend that much time with someone, you can't help but build like, you know, a rapport and stuff like that. And, you know, I think it's interesting because we're very, um, uh, you know, we 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 uh, bicker a lot. So there's a lot of like, you know, disagreement. I don't agree with everything he, he says necessarily and he doesn't agree with everything I say, but we're such good friends. We've We've established such a good friendship that like, when we bicker, we don't take it personally. And like, you know, it's all good at the end, you know, like we don't, we don't really take any jabs at each other. And so we took that a little bit. I think we took that a little bit and started playing with it. And now it's become this thing. Like we do it on Twitter and there's like, you know, there's like our story, like our, what do you call those fleets? You know, we we send fleets to each other and stuff like that. So yeah, he's, he's a dear, dear friend. Um, I've never met him, which is like such a shame. I was going to try to meet him last year. Of course, uh, I wanted to travel, but the pandemic happened. So when things clear up, I'm going to go and visit some friends and family in Canada. He lives in Canada, and so I'm going to visit him. But he's not the only friend I've made. Uh, you know, obviously now I, you know, I've met you, and we're having this first discussion. So you're my friend now too. And <laughs> but I, I, but I've met so many interesting uh, people. And um, but yeah, Sean's definitely my BFF. <laughs> you know, technically I've met you before, but it was a, it was like it was because of a Trek lad. 
That's right. That's right. That's right. No, no, no. I remember now. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I've been on so many streams. That's, that's, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, 100% I remember. That's all right. That. No, that's all right. <laughs> um, crap. Okay, so here's the point of the podcast where uh, Starfleet Boy is going to jump down my neck. Are you guys ready for this? Uh, here we go. I, I have never finished... You might just want to step back for a second here. <laughs> I have I have never finished a single season of Star Trek of all of Berman Star Trek. Except oh, wow. I like your reaction. It's it's nice, calm, and cool because if, if I would have told Trek Lad that he would have probably killed me. <laughs> Except DS9, right? Uh I look, I love DS9, but I cannot I for some reason I can't bring myself to watch the episode where um uh Dax dies. Oh I yeah, that's a I tough skip one. over I skip yeah, over I don't blame you. I skip over that episode. So I can um, see the emotion on your face. That's yeah, that's I no, no, she's <laughs> no, uh she's one of my favorite characters in all of Star Trek. So and you know, and the fact that she's Mrs. Nimoy now is just a oh, cherry I know. On top phenomenal. Of she's like if you if you'll allow Star Trek royalty in a way, <laughs> yeah. No, but um, to to be honest, I because you know that uh, my last interview was with Trek Lad, yeah, I, 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 which I debuted told... today, right? Like you launched it today. No, or... actually, it's gonna it's gonna launch next year. Oh, next year. Yeah, next year. Oh, I didn't realize it's next year. So when I'll come out next year as well. Yeah. That's so exciting. Uh, it's going to be crazy to hear this a year later. That's yeah, funny. Yeah, if we're, uh, if well, we're just, still all here, right? Just for, yeah, we will be. Well, just for the uh, you know, uh, great bird of the galaxy willing, of course. But uh, just for the record, then, I want to say that we're recording this on May the 4th, which is so exciting. So may the 4th be with you all yeah, in no, the future. No, it's it's funny, guys. I mean, you, here you have two Star Trek guys talking about... Star Trek, but we're recording it on Star Wars Day, so I, th- I think that's just funny. <laughs> um, crap, I lost my train of thought. What you were you were saying that? So I, I actually want to hear this. You were saying that you've never finished uh, a season of Berman era Trek, except um, I, I am really, really close to finishing Enterprise, and I kind of don't want to finish D Space Nine because I love it so much. Um, I totally understand that, by the way. Uh, but you know, I, <laughs> that's a cool. You know, that. but but I but but I really need to just just you know just take my licks and just sort of just get to the end of it because what I am doing is I'm conning my family members to buy me digital copies of all the of of, of the complete series, like for each one of them. And once I get them all on digital, I'm just going to sit down one day and and not work for like six weeks or a month to just sit and watch them all <laughs> that's awesome well i well i i'm excited for you because you in a way that's neat because you have so much cool stuff to discover uh yeah. so i really appreciate that but yeah that's that's i'm not going down your throat for that one that's totally acceptable and that's totally fine <laughs> no but you know you know but the thing that the thing that makes that makes me kind of embarrassed is because i've been interacting with you know uh people such as yourself Marcy, she's one of my best friends. She's awesome. She does the, you know, Marcy, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so she's actually just watching D Space, uh, D Space Nine now, and I, you know, I know some stuff, but I've been trying not to spoil it. But I, I feel kind of bad because I've always fancied myself a Star Trek fan, and for me not to be able to finish a single Star Trek series from start to finish is really starting to piss me off. <laughs> 
but make you know it, make it so <laughs> engage finish the star trek <laughs> finish the finish the damn thing where are you on where are you at in enterprise what season uh i'm about to start season three right now Ooh, cool okay very cool and i believe that's like the start of the zindy war or is that season four okay i, I don't i, don't, I, I think don't it's season season three yeah it'll i think all the zindy stuff comes into play it's all blurred now in my head because it now that i've finished it it all feels like one thing Mm -hmm. by the way just as a recommendation uh you might want to talk to earl gray trekkie he's a big enterprise fan and he he's he's one of the reasons that i actually (laughs) went back and finished enterprise and i really appreciate it so shout out and thank you to earl gray trekkie actually um actually i want to have him i want to have him on the show actually so i I don't know if i'm gonna reach yeah, I reach out I, to him. I'm gonna reach out to him. I don't know what he's gonna say because he always likes my tweets. So I think he'll be very open to to coming. He might, on. you know, you know, he might say yes or he might say screw off. I have no <laughs> idea what he's gonna say. <laughs> I think he'll say yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. By the way, I'm a giant Doctor Who fan too. By the way, me too. I, here's my TARDIS right here. And uh, speaking of Earl Grey Trek, yeah. he does a Doctor Who discussion series, and it's been fun doing that with him. We just finished season series one of the new doctor who he decides to start with the ninth doctor yeah no actually uh when it comes to doctor who the the, the main reason why i became a doc, uh, doctor who fan is because the love of my life who unfortunately is getting married in like six months um she uh tweeted one day that she loved uh the new iteration of doctor who so to you know to try and connect with her i started watching doctor who and then i got hooked on it so Oh, that's awesome! So you didn't get you didn't get her, but you got the Doctor Who. So that's pretty. Yeah. That's not a bad. That's not a bad trade off. <laughs> I beg to differ. But that, that, that's a that's a conversation for another day. Another time. I just wanted to get your opinion. Do you think that you know thirty thirty years from now, forty years from now, we will be at least a little bit closer to the uh, vision of of uh, of Star Trek? I think it's going to be a lot longer than that um, to the point where we see it like in to me, I think of the quintessential, you know, TOS did a good job of showing us a, a bright future and everything like that. But TNG to me really does it like to, in my mind, that's the future that I want, you know, is that like mm-hmm. kind of the TNG, the show, like in the movies, it gets dark again, but like, you want those carpets. <laughs> I want it all, baby. I want the carpets. I want the corridors. I want like I want replicators, like <laughs> synth hall, like ten forward. Yeah, no, but yeah, not just aesthetically, but like just in terms of like the philosophies and you know, like and 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 just like give. I think TNG really fleshed out what the Federation is about and like really made it feel like a real thing. And and to to be fair, I'm not you know. TOS was developing that like uh, originally there was no United Federation of Planets like in TOS they just mentioned I think the Earth Fed- they mentioned the Federation later you know those things were developing but by TNG by the the films and TNG they had nailed it and and they had gotten it so yeah more cre- you know credit to Star Trek the motion picture because that's where like you know it's like solidified and TNG just goes off of the T- the TOS films so to me that whole era starting from the TOS films all the way to you know uh to voyager uh is kind of like that that's like what i envision as the star trek future um and so i think we're definitely a ways off from that like i can't see in my lifetime you know 
uh, the world coming together as one, you know, it's, it's, I would love to see it, but I don't see it happening. And I, you know, what do I have like 40 years left? Maybe, you know, like if I'm lucky, <laughs> you know, so in the next 40 years, 30 years, 40 years, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but I will say this, if first contact really does happen, if like for some reason that actually becomes a thing, not like Vulcans, of course, but if we do discover other life, it could be changing. You know, that could be an accelerator towards that vision, just like it is in Star Trek. So who knows, you know, if we start discovering other life forms and make contact with another species out there somewhere, maybe that will help our planet unite in a in a new way. So I hope it happens. I don't think it's going to happen. I predict it's going to happen and like start happening in a hundred years, maybe 150 years. Interesting. For me, uh, the, the, there's two things I want before I die. Number one is I want to, I want to find a cure for cancer and I want to see uh, SpaceX land on the moon. I think so you'll I, definitely see the moon and maybe even cancer. I think we're getting close to those things. So yeah, I mm -hmm. think those are those are very realistic in the next 30 plus years or something. Did I, I say think. the moon? I meant Mars. Sorry, Mars, I meant yeah. Mars. Well, yeah, both of those things. I think we will definitely see a Mars a Mars mission in our lifetime. My vision of the future tends to look like the for all mankind vision of the future. Oh, I've got to see show? that show. No, not yet. That I've show got to see it. Is Amazing! You need to invest in that. Show. I know, I know. Neo Kuda's worked on it, and yeah, stuff, so. Ronald D. Moore. Yeah, oh. Ronald D. Moore. Yeah, and I oh. love Battlestar. I'm a huge fan. <gasps> you of, love fan Battlestar? Of yeah. Oh yeah. Like, uh, well, it's too tiny. I don't know if you can Sorry. see it, but the Galactica, and I have a Viper, uh, the Mark II, oh, I think, nice. sitting back there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for, yeah. Uh, I just uh, I just celebrated a birthday recently. Oh, happy and one birthday! Of, uh, thanks. I'm getting old. Thirty three. <laughs> Huh. 43 uh, uh, in a couple of days. Next week on Tuesday is my birthday, so I'll uh, be 43. Yeah. Happy early birthday. Thank you. Thank you. You look by the a way, lot my, younger. Thank you. I appreciate that. My, by the way, my birthday takes place on the Battle of the Binary Stars, which is Get out of here. it's insane. Yeah, if you watch the... Uh, the season, the premiere of uh, Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's making her log on May eleventh, yeah. uh, and it's a Sunday, so it's Mother's Day. So, <laughs> which is really funny. <laughs> That's awesome. No, but um, uh, so one of my friends who who knows that I was a, I, I'm, a I'm a giant um, Battlestar Galactica fan, but for some reason, I never got around to buying the 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 blu-ray set so my friend um surprised me and he bought me the the, the complete uh, uh digital series on itunes so i'm um re-watching that oh, love that at, show at so this much i uh i i love bsg and he, and you know what i love about bsg at the start of bsg way back when uh ronald d moore in one of his first interviews he said to a reporter he said the reporter asked him why did he why did he sign up to do BSG and he goes I one of the primary reasons I did the show is because uh, on this show I'm going to be able to do stuff that I could never do in Star Trek so you know but I That's you know true. he was ahead yeah. of his time I would say that BSG I, I would say that like well I mean what they did for Deep Space Nine was extraordinary I think but um um. I think yeah. that like uh I think that like Rondi Moore uh and B and BSG really inspired the sort of like 
all the kind of the kind of tone uh and 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 structure that all modern sci-fi tv shows kind of follow still to this day so i think yeah he did an extraordinary thing with bsg yeah i mean look i mean if uh, if you look at it bsg is basically the west wing in space i've never seen the west wing by the way but was it running <gasps> concurrent You've never or seen like the before west wing? No, I mean, just hear bits and pieces, you know, like little clips That's and okay. stuff like that. But I've never actually watched That's it. Fine. I hear it's a great show, though. I, yeah, I actually, I was, uh, I was just watching the West Wing before we hopped on. I was watching. <laughs> oh, uh, nice. Season, yeah. Is it on? Is it on some streaming it, network? Yeah, it's on. Uh, it's on HBO Max. Oh, so, I'll start checking it out then. Yeah, it's yeah. a good, good thing it's, to watch. Uh, it's great. It's great. No, it's uh, written by Aaron Sorkin. So yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, what I'm watching right now, I'm trying to catch up in time for Text Trek's uh, discussion of it. Is ba- um, Babylon Five? Oh, oh wow! I, I tried to watch Babylon Five one time, and I just couldn't get over the hair. <laughs> I no, love I, it. I, I think it's great. No, I couldn't. I couldn't get over the hair, and I couldn't get over the thought going. You're just a clone of DS9, and I and I like Star Trek way better than you. So I was like, screw it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. That's a. You should check out the text Trek discussions, because uh, because I think it might change your mind. But you know, just, yeah, just yeah. Plug uh, unsolicited shout out to text Trek. <laughs> That's, okay. That's fine. No, but um, you know, uh, because of channels like yours and uh, and um trek lad and earl gray trekkie i've been i've been open to all sorts of sci-fi like like for some reason trek lad keeps talking about uh red dwarf I'm <laughs> that's like, another great show like, yeah. do i need like like do i need to I, like there's so many things that i'm watching right now currently that are not science fiction related that you know i i i just think i have to pick and choose what i want to watch and you know the rest i can see in my own timer or, or whatnot yeah it's harder mm-hmm. as we get older uh to cram in the time to watch these programs that have already passed and watch new yeah. programs and, yeah. you know and things like that who knows maybe one day this will become my full-time job and then i can just watch all the science fiction uh things all the time it would be wonderful speaking of this becoming your full-time job you made a video a while back saying that uh, I, when you were discovering Star Trek as a little boy or, 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 or a young man, you had this idea that you wanted to become a, become a scientist, but you had to settle for becoming a real estate uh, person. Why real estate? Oh, so I don't know if that was me because I do work. I do, in fact, work in the real estate really? industry right now, but that's just recent. That's been the last oh. three years. Like, okay. I, I, so I never worked in real estate before that. But bef- okay. but I think, if I'm not mistaken, Trek Lad was the one who got a real estate. Th- no, who was no, it? No, he works in he works in marketing. That's right. But someone, I, I I think I've heard what you're talking about. I think it was someone else. I think you might have me. Okay. Uh, cross with someone else, but I do. Um, but that um, is funny because I do, in fact, work in real estate now. I, know you work uh, I support, I support real estate uh, agents uh, on the technology side. But my whole, my whole career has been like a technology type of career and photography. So I'm a, I'm an accomplished photographer. I, ha- I have a career as like I've done. You know, I can do your wedding when you're get ready to get married. I can come and shoot your wedding. But I also worked in fashion and and portraiture is like my favorite type of photography and stuff like that. So I've always done like technology and art on the 
as my mm-hmm. that's the bulk of of where my career has been and i'm very satisfied with how that career has turned out so yeah i mean doing this full-time would be like a, a dream come true but i also have a dream come true uh, I've also had a very dream can come true type of career already, so I'm very, very satisfied and happy. I initially wanted to um, to be a sports broadcaster. I was I was addicted to uh, to to sports, and I you know I, I said to myself, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a sports broadcaster, and I'm gonna I'm gonna cover the WNBA. That's gonna be my dream job, and oh, neat. that's gonna yeah, that's gonna be it. And uh, one day, actually two weeks after I graduated high school. I was home one day and I had nothing to watch and uh, I just was flipping through the channels and I came upon the show where this this guy in the middle of the road was uh, confessing his ever loving his his deep seated love for this little for this girl in the middle of the road and that one show changed the course of my life and because of that show I became a screenplay writer. What show is that? Here's where you're gonna laugh. Uh, it was a show called Dawson's Creek. So, oh, da- <laughs> yes, I did laugh. I'm sorry, I wasn't laughing, but that I'm laughing because okay. I remember Dawson's Creek being a huge deal. Uh, yeah, back in the day, everyone, all the girls were into it, and 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 some guys too. And 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 yeah. I, I, I was too snobby, I never watched it. <laughs> it's, it's a great show, I heard. What the other show I have to watch that I hear is really great is The Gilmore Girls. Before you watch the Gilmore Girls, I suggest that you see the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel first. Oh, okay. Watch because, that first. Yeah, because that show, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, is created by the same uh, a writer who did the Gilmore Girls. And if you like that show, you might be a little bit more prepared for Gilmore because Gilmore, I the first time I watched it, I didn't like it that much because I I, I didn't really. Um, identify with what the the subject matters the show was 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 covering, but after I saw the marvelous Mrs. Maze, I was like, okay, I want to give Gilmore another shot. I gave it another shot, and I fell in love with it. I will definitely do that then. Yeah, um, but you know, if it wasn't for Dawson's Creek, I would definitely be uh, a sports broadcaster, and I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now so you do have you do have a great uh radio voice or tv voice if you will and you have a good presence you i think i would totally see and you with the with the headphones and the mic yeah. and everything I, i'm like i could see you being a sports broadcaster i could totally see it in high school you know all my friends were jocks and uh, uh girl basketball players and boy basketball players and i made friends with the guys on the football team too I was so ingrained in the high school sports uh, arena that that I almost failed at a high school. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, because obsession. Um, I I'm so thankful for that part of my life, and and um, but I I am really happy with being a writer, and you know, writing stuff. I I mean, I get to do something that I love to do every day, and I don't you know I don't get paid for it, but. I would I would much rather do something that I love to do, you know, rather than doing rather than having to go to a job every day and get paid for something that I'm really not that passionate about. So right, that's great. I think you know? I think you have discovered probably uh, the secret, the secret. <laughs> as they say. Starfleet Boy After Dark is Fridays, but uh, we we recently. Uh, created a new channel, so it can be anytime. But yeah, Fridays is the standard. We call it TQIF. Thank you. It's Friday. 
and uh yes yeah, so <laughs> it's a lot of fun aren't you guys aren't you guys worried about brand, like like brand confusion what do you mean like because because you said that you guys just created a new channel right so you have starfleet boy or do you just so starfleet, like- starfleet boy's main mission is like a casual and informal ah. discussion about star trek and i just kind of like to do like you know episode by episode i want to cover all of star trek so i eventually we we're current with all the new shows and you know so we've we've done discussions for everything lower decks uh star trek discovery star trek picard we're all caught up on those we finished star trek the next generation we're working on star trek the original series after that we're going to do star trek uh animated series and then we're going to do <laughs> uh Vo- we're going to skip to voyager cuz my friends do a show called drunk space nine which i used to also do drunk and space. yeah drunk space <laughs> drunk space nine which is awesome and so then we'll do voyager and then i'll probably do enterprise and then i'll probably come back to ds9 and and there uh and so what happened was during the pandemic uh when the pandemic started I started doing these Friday night live streams and on the very first one that we did on the Starfleet boy channel, uh, we dubbed it Starfleet boy after dark. And so that caught on and it became a thing. And now it's something I love doing every Friday. And we, you know, I do it with text Trek and PJ from boat rack and, uh, the guys from drunk space nine. They also do a podcast called asking Linda's comes on. You're welcome on, by the way, if you're up Friday nights, you should totally yeah. come on, on the stream. No, it's man, really fun. No, man. no, if you, you know, you know, you know, if you guys ever ran out of people to bother, you know, I'm always around. So. I'm going to bother you because we love having folks on. So Friday nights, uh, maybe this Friday night, if you want to, we're going to talk this Friday. We're going to try to talk about, I, I haven't seen it yet, but the bad batch just came out. The star Wars. Oh, I'm, ba- I'm You're not a star. Are you a star no. Wars fan? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, uh, we're going to talk about that, but when we just talk about general stuff oh, too, okay. you know, just fun stuff. So yeah, I'll send you an invite. We'll talk offline more. Yeah. I don't want to like, put that all over put your podcast but no, <laughs> yeah exactly we'll talk offline and and hammer out the logistics of that but yeah. uh but i decided like those are fun and everything but they aren't like the main kind of you know we talk about everything on those not just star trek and so i felt like i wanted to kind of like keep starfleet boy star trek only so i created a new channel called starfleet boy after dark and that's where the streams live now the the starfleet boy after dark streams and also i'm going to do a lot of other fun stuff like just experimental live streams and videos and stuff and kind of hone my i'm using it as like a testing slash honing ground and just a place to have fun and and you know do fun stuff so just that that's not necessarily star trek (laughs) You might find this humorous, but uh, earlier today, I was like, I should really do some research on this guy before I sit down and talk to him, or he's going to think that I'm a fucking, like, like I'm an idiot. So I, so I tried this. I, I, Not I at all. Watch, you know, I started, I started watching uh, uh, one of your videos from Starfleet Boy After Dark, and I'm like, this isn't really telling me about him. So you know what? <laughs> let, me, let me just sit down and talk with the guy. I mean, he can't be that bad. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. I hope I, I hope I didn't disappoint. No, 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 no. You know, you're great. You mentioned earlier in our little conversation that you, that one of the main reasons why you love Star Trek so much is because of the message of positivity, right? Positivity, but more than that, just, I think the message of like, it, uh, I think I'm a huge stand for ITIC, you know, infinite diversity and infinite mm-hmm. combinations. And that can include 
that can that can include negativity. It, it, I I just like the balanced approach of like you know of like people can live in harmony and have a a you know disparate views and things like that. So yeah, it is positive overall, but you know within that positivity, there's a lot of diversity, if you will. <laughs> but yeah. With that being said, does it bother you that the creator of this entire universe in, you know, the almighty Gene Roddenberry wasn't so, so to speak, he wasn't a perfect person. Like, like if you actually read up on Gene Roddenberry and some of the shit that he did to the people that he worked with and some of the, some of his personal demons, he wasn't, he wasn't so perfect, so to speak. Yeah, uh, it doesn't bother me at all because I think that like the vision of Star Trek that he created was probably a reflection of what he wanted to be. Like he, it's probably partially what he aspired to be. Like, like what he put down on paper was the better parts of him, the things he aspired to be. I'm sure Gene Roddenberry had no illusions about who he was, and you know, and so on and so forth. But at the same time, I also think that like you know, I'm one of these people that thinks you know, no one is perfect. I mean, we all have things that we've, we've all made mistakes in our past. Like, and I think it's also unfair to hold people to such a high standard. Like, I think this idea that like, you know, I do, I do agree that like there are consequences for your actions. And if you're doing consistently doing bad shit, you should pay for it, (laughs) you know, like definitely. But, you know, another example that I like to use is, um, uh, I love the Ender, you know, Ender's Game, and have you heard of those books that Ender's no. Ender's Game, Ender's Game, and there's I forget the other titles, but the uh, writer for that it's one of my favorite stories, especially Ender's Game, the first novel that he wrote, and there's a film that they just made recently for it. It's such a profound book that they study it at military academies uh, because it it really you should t- check it out. It'll blow your mind, I think. But Orson Scott Scott Card is a homophobe and he's terrible and like, you know, he's not like nothing like what the story is. You know what I mean? So the author is, right? Yeah, the author, right. The author is like a disappointing person when when you when you see the brilliance that they created and then you go back and you find out more about the author. So to me, it's the way I look at it is that like sometimes again, like maybe inside he strives to be a better person, maybe subconsciously he wants to. And so did Gene Roddenberry, you know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. maybe that's what the, you know, maybe that's why the vision is so perfect. Maybe that's why it's so perfect and so flawless is because that's who we wanted to be inside. And so that's what came out on paper. And, and to be fair, like Gene's vision, (laughs) you know, that you see that a lot. That's like a hashtag now at this point, Gene's vision, Mm -hmm. but, but that vision uh, to be fair is not just his anymore. It's like, I think the idea of it's, it's something fans have contributed to. It's something other writers have contributed to as the world of Star Trek has grown. Sure. The creator gets the credit because he created it, but a lot of people have built on top of what he originally created. And I think it's so hard to kind of now at this point really separate what was Gene Roddenberry and what's not, you know what I mean? Like you'd have to really dive deep. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter as long as like the, you know, Star Trek now is free from, you know, just Gene Roddenberry. He's gone, unfortunately. He can't really influence it anymore. So now it's Star Trek is Star Trek's own vision, like in a way. You know what I mean? Like it's it's become something e- greater than Gene Roddenberry even probably envisioned. 
No, 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 no. The reason why I say that is because uh, uh, recently one of my favorite creators, one of the guys who, who, who I grew up with. I, mean, I grew up watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and and quite uh, recently, cool. his name has been. I'm sure you've probably heard what, but what he's been accused of. But I found who, myself. Who's that? Is it Joss Whedon who? Joss Whedon. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, he's been accused of some pretty awful stuff and and and, it, and I got to such a point to where I said you know I started to feel bad because I I love Buffy I love Dollhouse I you know I loved Angel I I love it I love anything Joss Whedon so I started to feel bad for liking this amazing stuff made by a guy who maybe you know treated his actors poorly or treated his writers poorly but then I ran into some friends who said listen you don't love the man. You love his work. So it's okay for you to, you know, love his work. Who cares that the guy's an asshole? Right? Well, we should care, but yeah, exactly. Right. Like it shouldn't really, you're absolutely right. It shouldn't affect your love for Buffy because you got something really special out of it. And that's wonderful. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No, but, I agree with yeah, that. I, I was thinking to myself the other day, why did Joss's problems affect me so much and gene's problems they, they didn't affect me at all and i was like you know what i i was like i grew up with buffy and buffy introduced me to tv it's the first show that i ever watched religiously on tv but i discovered star trek later on in life when i was more of an when i was more of an adult so you know i don't know i, I just i just found that very very interesting that there are so many, uh, to use a word again, gatekeeper Trek fans who hold Gene's vision to such high esteem, but they don't seem to acknowledge that he wasn't a very good person. In in that situation, you know, like, and it's another conundrum, which is like, you know, uh, the vision is is intact as far as I can tell. I mean, I'm a yeah. huge fan of of the original series and and the film era which is really you know gene's vision as it were kind of stops at tng like after that like i think a lot of other people started influencing it and he was just like more of a consultant and even in the films he was more of a consultant so really tos is and t and is it and and, and tas is like his quote unquote vision and like i said yeah. that's evolved like it's totally different and even he himself evolved his vision so i think it's like you know, I think that again, those people don't have like much of a leg to stand on, so they like kind of choose these like triggering type things to kind mm -hmm. of like harp on, and and it's a good argument tactic. It's a good discussion, you know, a tactic when you're having a debate, but it doesn't work. It doesn't hold. You know, mm -hmm. for me, for me, it doesn't hold legs. <laughs> like I said earlier, I used to fall into those kind of like groups and stuff like that too. Just like you did, you you know, like we you know, fell into that. No, but I know. But if it wasn't for guys like you and 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 people we've already mentioned on this podcast, I would probably still be in the hole. So I I owe you guys a lot. Ah. <laughs> With that being said, and all about Gene's vision and, and everything, do you feel that it was a good idea for um, Michael Pillar and um, and uh, Rick Berman? Oh my God, what's his Rick Berman? Yes, thank you to take Star Trek. Uh, next gen and DS9 in a different direction. How how did you feel about them making Star Trek more uh, more violent, more uh, filling Star Trek up with more conflict? 
after Gene sort of stepped away and passed away? I feel I feel like it was done in a way that was kind of like easy to digest. It wasn't like all of a sudden in my in my view, it wasn't like an all of a sudden overnight. It just became like this. I, I do think that Deep Space Nine definitely like started out, you know, like I, I feel like by TNG's, uh, you know, having done the the whole rewatch and discussion series, you do see TNG start to lean towards season six and seven towards these like kind of like um, more, you know, conflict driven kind of tones and DS9 certainly like, you know, does that as well. Um, Voyager I'm still working on, so I, I can't really speak to it, but I guess I feel fine with it. I, I think that again, it's it still, I, I still think it was pretty close to, I still think it maintained, you know, when it comes down to it, like I still think it maintained the um, core values, if you will, that that I appreciate about Star Trek. And so mm-hmm. I don't think it I don't think it went too far off the mark. Um and I definitely don't think, you know, I you know, I I can't I can't like I don't see, you know, there are things that I disagree with like I personally am repulsed by eye violence and like gore and so Star Trek Picard while it is one of my favorite yeah, while it is one of my favorite shows, there's some <laughs> moments in there where if I were the showrunner, I probably wouldn't have done it like that. But then but then I did see that Alex Kurtzman did say that like it was intended as the first adult show uh, for Star Trek and it makes sense to me because it is very adult. And you know, there is a, there is, you know, there is a uh, audience for that kind of stuff. Some people love that gore and stuff like that. So kudos to them. Now they get to see something <laughs> in Star Trek that that represents their likes. So, so it didn't bother you that uh, that Admiral Clancy told Picard to basically fuck off, did it? It made me. It, it was jarring at first, but at the same time, again, once I once I thought about it, I was like, that that's fine. That makes total sense. That you know, and especially, I think this show doesn't. Um, and she says, by the way, sheer fucking humor. She doesn't tell him to fuck off. But yeah, but 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 I will say that um, I will say that it 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 is an interesting choice to introduce colorful metaphors into into Star Trek and and that kind of language and stuff like that. It was always a subtext. I don't think it was explicitly said. Maybe in Star Trek Four, yeah, some people use that example uh, as it like people speak more proper. But like the truth is, the reason that you didn't have bad words in Star Trek is to keep it un- under a certain rating. Like Star Trek always wanted to appeal to the most general audience possible. You know, just to get the most. Like it's already a niche product, so you it benefits it to. It benefits you to keep it at PG, PG thirteen, in order to get the biggest audience possible. You know, like you're going to catch more, more people with that, with that, you know, rating with that rating. So, like an R-rated Star Trek would have been. It's already a niche, and then it would have been even more of a niche because you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have as big an audience potentially seeing your movie or your film or whatever. But I think with streaming and like certainly again with the popularity Star Trek has already has, has a huge following at this point. It's, it's established just like star Wars. It's got a 50 year, you know, 50 years worth of stories behind it. So I think it's great that they can experiment and it's paying off. Like I think, yeah, there are detractors who say that this is not Star Trek, but, but it hasn't really affected people enjoying Star Trek at, at the end of the day, people just like, if they didn't like it, they just move past it. Don't disagree, but I'm just going to say something. I'm going to take a shot. 
at a particular <laughs> channel that pisses me off. Uh, uh, Midnight's Edge, they always spread crap about Alex Kirsten, Alex Kirsten's been fired or this yeah. or that. Oh, so they're one of the perpetrators. Yeah, yeah that. Oh that God, I can't stand those. <laughs> From my understanding, if Star Trek was made today, right? Do you think uh, a, a a show like TNG could exist today, but with colorful metaphors, or do, or, or do you think that TNG was a show of its time? I think TNG, every show is a show of its time, right? But I think that TNG, uh, again, was on network television, prime time, appealing to a family, like a wide audience, like all age. That was like its mission. So by inherently, their charter said, we don't cuss, we don't do all that. You know what I mean? Like, And they wove it into the storyline by saying, like, future people are more advanced and don't cuss. But... You know, and that's fine. That's fine. It's great. But it, but also future people don't seem to listen to anything other than classical music. And I find that hard to believe too. But the real reason behind that is they couldn't get the rights to like the Beatles or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. so I, I, I do think that those things, you can shrug past them because again, the stories are so good that like, I think it's just as un- unrealistic to have, I think it's, it's, I think TNG, while I love it, is kind of unrealistic. Like, I don't believe in the future people won't be cursing still. Curse words have been around since, like, the dawn of, like, language, and they'll be around. You know, you get hit on the foot with a knife, you're going to go, fuck, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> or whatever. Like, you know, you're going to say something that, yeah. like, expresses how you feel. You're not going to say, you know, and, and to be fair, they did get away with it. Picard does say merde, which is shit yeah. in French. Yeah, it's shit. like, yeah, it's, it's shit. It's not, it's not poop. It's, it's shit. <laughs> so, you no, know, I so, mean, you know, so they got away with it somehow. They just cussed in a different language. <laughs> no, but for me, and a patak, I mean, who knows what yeah. a patak is, right? I still haven't gotten used to hearing the word, you know, you know, um, uh, fuck in Star Trek. I'm not. I'm not there yet. If if they wanted to curse in Star Trek, you know what I would have told uh, uh, Shabon to do? I would have said, you know what? If you want to curse, you could just say frack and you could like, cross the streams, right? <laughs> frack and then, then Ron Moore would be really upset. Um, by the way, that was brilliant that uh, yeah. in Battlestar Galactic, like they used... Uh, so like, great. Yeah, it's so great that frack became the way that they got around that. that was and so I still great. use frack to this day. I use it over the... Over fuck more than yeah, you know, I, over said, f- <laughs> I use frack more than i use fuck so no, uh it really yeah. it really was a, a a great thing that they did on 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 bsg no um last week i was recording a podcast and uh uh i was uh yeah i was talking about lost right and i was i can't remember what the hell we we're but i was i was talking about a particular scene and I, I i didn't want to cuss because i don't cuss on the other podcasts that i do so i have a I have a no custrol. I should change that because I like to cuss a lot. <laughs> um, so I was talking about and I, and I said, I wanted to say fuck, but instead of that, I said frack. Why do you think that uh, Star Trek is, you know, Star Trek has been around for 50 years, right? Like you said. But why do you think 55 it's 55 now, right? 55, right? Yeah. But why do you think it is not as big as that other franchise that shall not be mentioned? The other uh, star franchise? Yeah, the other one that we... Oh, fuck it. We already... Why do you think it is not as big as uh, Star Wars? What yeah. What is it that... You know, I actually think that 
so I love both of the uh, both of those as well. And, but in my mind, and it's probably because I spend more time in the Star Trek world. To, in my mind, they're uh, nowadays they're almost on par. I think I feel like the I feel like in the last like maybe you know six or seven years, Star Trek's following has grown. Like I've never seen so many people like casually watching Star Trek, and I have to say, like uh, you know. Uh, I always, I've always been very vocal about my support for Star Trek and my love of Star Trek. And I remember, you know, one of the places you talk about shows that you like are at the workplace, right? And so everywhere I've worked, there's always been like maybe one or two people who watch Star Trek, maybe like one or two people who are like huge fans of Star Trek. But then everyone was like, oh yeah, I love Star Wars, right? Like, so that's kind of like a barometer of like that. But re- in recent times, I'm seeing people who those same people who love Star Wars are now also like I also like Star Trek. They don't love Star Trek as much as they love Star Wars, not maybe, like but yeah, not like that. But like they definitely are are into it. So I think Star Trek and Star Wars are kind of like finally they're becoming like more and more, uh, you know, On companion. Equal yeah, equal ground companions and stuff like that. I mean, I do still think that Star Wars definitely has a more. Uh, has captured more attention than perhaps Star Trek does. And I think in some ways, Star Trek is still looked at as very like, because of the techno babble, I think that's like the one main difference I think is like, because Star Trek has the science aspect and the technical aspect of it, it can be a turnoff to some people. They don't, they just don't like to hear things about neutrinos and positrons and like reverse the polarity of the neutron flow and you know all this stuff like that just doesn't make sense techno babble just doesn't make sense to them and star wars is more fantasy like you hardly ever hear the techno babble in star wars things just work or they don't work you know what i mean like you don't know like there's no like you know there's not a lot of detail in that sense. It just focuses more on the force and like the broader things, which are more fantasy. And George Lucas is, I feel like he's always said star Wars is more fantasy than it is science fiction, you know? And, and I agree with that. Like it does have a science fiction setting in terms of the fact that it's set in space and it has that landscape, but it is more about fantasy. It's like more of like a Lord of the Rings in space. Like, you know, like, you know, the luke's lightsaber and like you know all these kinds of things and so so i think that's the main difference between the two but i guess to answer your question um i do think that like that's the that's the reason if if star wars has a advantage in terms of like um you know uh popularity it would be because of that personally i have always thought that uh, Star Wars is basically Flash Gordon in space. Well, yeah, and, and Lucas was super inspired by those serials. Right, yeah, right, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And for me, uh, Star Trek is is submarines in space. So you know, Star Trek is 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 more intellectual over uh, Star Wars. If that makes right. any sense. Well, yeah, I agree with you, and I'll just say like to take that further, like Star Trek is more naval. And Star Wars is more like Air Force, you know, like a lot more mm-hmm. fighter pilot type, you know, that kind of thing. Flyboys and and girls and, and stuff like that. When you first heard of brand new Star Trek, what was your first initial thoughts of the general concept when you first heard it? Oh, yeah, I, I remember I was there were so many rumors 
about Star Trek Discovery, but I think my favorite one, the one I was most excited about, is that I thought it was going to be an anthology show. That Oh, you like, weren't one of those people, were you? <laughs> I was. I was really excited about All that right. because I thought like right. season one could be spent in one era, season two could be spent in another era, season three could be spent in another. Again, I'm totally happy with how Discovery turned out. But that's what I was excited about before it came out. That's what I thought it might be. And that was a rumor, of course. It wasn't, you know, it's not what it turned out to be. But yeah. The rumor that I heard is that Brian Fuller wanted to do a uh, wanted to do a, a show similar to that, but he wanted to have every episode in a different era of Star Trek. Oh, every episode? Every I thought it was episode. like season. Wow, that's nope. crazy. Yeah, no, I think I w- that might have been weird, but <laughs> interesting, but weird. Yeah, yeah, that would. But he is much. a weird guy. I I haven't seen much of his other shows, but what is it? American Gods, the Neil Gaiman adaptation yeah, he did, that he does. He, it is. Yeah, it's he, a wild show. He goes out far. He goes pretty far out. If you if, if you really want to see uh, Brian Fuller at at his top game and his just pushing powers. Daisy? Is it pushing daisies? No, I was no? going to say pushing daisies. I was going to say Hannibal. Hannibal, okay. I have a problem with Brian Fuller because Brian Fuller, as a creative genius, he's he's really smart. He 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 has this unique mind of the the way that he approaches projects is wonderful. But the problem is that he fucking gets fired all the time. Like mm, he can, mm. he has a very difficult time working with people from what. I've been told from people, from some people that I know who work in the industry, mm. like, like the main reason why he got fired while he got dismissed off of Star Trek Discovery is because he wanted to do a different era of Star Trek every episode. And there was no way in hell CBS would let him do that. Yeah. It's and pre- he did, it sounds pretty expensive. <laughs> right. And yeah. And, and, and the other thing is that he didn't want to, you know, you know, CVS was, was said to him, okay, we're not going to let you do this, but we'll, we'll, we'll meet you halfway and we'll let you do this. And he said, no. And, you know, and he basically walked away and that's where, uh, Alex Kurtzman came in and, and, and did what he did. I didn't follow that story. Like I knew there was definitely some turmoil or whatnot. Um, no, I mean, I, I just thought it was interesting I just thought it was a shame because I know Brian Fuller worked on Star Trek, right? He was a writer for Voyager. That's right. So it would have been like an interesting homecoming. It's a shame if he does have issues uh, because he is, as you say, he does seem like a really bright star in terms of like his, his like ideas and stories and stuff like that. So it's a shame if he does have like trouble working with people. No, I mean, look, 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 I don't know him personally, but all, all I can tell you is what I've heard from other people right, right. Who, who, who've worked with him before, who've been around him. They say he's a brilliant mind, but he doesn't work too well with the studio system. You know, maybe Brian Fuller will figure it out because that's one of the reasons George Lucas left the studio system and went off and created his own thing. And so that maybe that's his next step. And when Brian Fuller can have full control, who knows? Fuller, he can have fuller control. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I went there. (laughs) Maybe we'll see something really extraordinary come out of him. You know, but um, with with that being said, though, if you go back and you look at the history of the production of season one of Star Trek Discovery, that show, it was remarkable they got anything done because that show was a goddamn disaster from 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 the pilot 
onwards. I mean, it was it was they had some crazy shit going on. I'm rewatching Star Trek Discovery uh, with my friend PJ from Boatwreck. We're doing yeah. watch-alongs where we're doing uh, live like live streams with commentary, and um, and it's it's really fun. And I've actually I can actually say that like, have you when 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 was the last time you saw season one? Uh, maybe like six or seven months ago. Okay, well, maybe revisit it because it for me it's holding together a lot better than it did. Uh, I think again, there were so many emotions wrapped up for me that yeah. in that first season, like, you know, s- subverted expectations, like the Klingons, like the style and everything. And it, by season two, I'd gotten over those things and I was paying more attention to the story. So it's fun to go back and watch season one and I'm, I'm appreciating it a lot more. I still don't think it's my favorite season and I, I wouldn't call it a disaster necessarily, but it's definitely not like, I don't no, think they I'm- executed it the way that they intended perhaps, but yeah. No, but I, I no, I wasn't calling I wasn't calling season one a disaster on screen. What I was referring to was it was it was it the was behind a disaster. the scenes. Yeah. yeah, it was a disaster behind the scenes. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And maybe and maybe that affected oh, the on screen on screen project. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure of that. Yeah. No, but when I when, when I went back and I I, I revisited uh, season one like six or seven months ago, I I, I remember walking through the season. and I'm like. This isn't as bad as I remember it being. Yeah, I was same like, here. This is not. It's not. It's not great, but it's not bad. Right. Right. So it's I, uh, solid. It's solid. It's yeah, a good. It's, it's a good yeah. first season. I might even say this like I love TNG, but it might be better than season one of TNG. Maybe I don't know. Like oh I, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you know what? You know what? You know what? I'll back you up on that. Nice. <laughs> the, because you know. The the first season of TNG was it was fine, but it wasn't no Star Trek Discovery. I mean, j- j- just based on the 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 improvement in technology, the way that the pilot looks. I mean, one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek Discovery ever is a pilot. So I mean, good. That, yeah. that thing is amazing. The I mean, oh Jesus. Uh, Michelle um, Michelle Yeoh uh, was recently on the official Star Trek podcast, the Pod Directive. Mm-hmm. And I, I was pleased to hear because I feel this way. I was like one of these people that was like, why'd you kill off Captain Giorgio? She was so amazing. Like what a cool character. Right. And, and, and I don't like mirrored, you know, Emperor Giorgio as much as I, I don't like, I, I like, I well, you're not supposed to right? until no. uh, again, oh. season three changes a little bit, but yeah. I feel more, uh, more compassion for her, but. But I, but as far as the performance is concerned, I mean Michelle Yeoh knocks it out of the park. Yeah. But I still, there's a part of me that still like wants to see more Captain Giorgio from you know bef- like adventures from and, Prime Universe. Yeah, because she right. she really like knocked it out of the park. Like that first, what you're talking about is, uh, I was so hyped after the first episode after the pilot because. It it felt like you know even with the visual differences and everything like it really felt like Star Trek. They had the procedure down, the captain's logs, the set scanning, the sensors, the mission, like all of that was there, and it was it was and she was in the center seat and she was fantastic. The pilot of Star Trek Discovery showed us mutiny for the first time ever by a senior bridge officer. I'm yeah. like, how cool is that? Yep. Right, Burnham. I mean, the that mutineer. was. I, yeah, I mean, I I got into an argument with one with another one. I'm sorry, I keep bringing these people up, but they just keep, <laughs> it's all right, it's all right. They just keep popping up in my head. Sorry, I had a discussion with uh, someone who didn't agree with that, and I, and I go, okay, so are you saying that 
if look, I, 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 my, my argument to him was, if Burnham didn't do what she did, the Klingons would attacked would have attacked them anyway. So it didn't matter. You know? Yeah, and she does get exonerated for it eventually, and then they go to the future. <laughs> yeah. No, but look, look, the 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 thing that really broke my heart about uh the, the pilot of Star Trek Discovery is that after the two hours are over, I'm like, okay, I don't want whatever show you're gonna give me. What I want is I want a show with Prime Georgiou. And about the about about the Shenzhou. I don't give a shit about the Discovery. I want this show. Yeah, yeah. It was it was very similar. It took me a while to get over the yeah. death of of the Shenzhou and the and Georgia. Yeah, if you like um if you like them, there's there's some really good Star Trek books uh covering covering the four years up to the pilot. Have you oh, heard right of on. those books? No, I haven't. Yeah. No, I haven't. Um, I'm gonna actually um when we uh. After we get off the call, I will link you the names of all those books because oh great, there are some really wonderful books um, where George, uh, where um, Philippa Burnham Saru they meet up with Captain Pike. Oh, uh, I heard about that. And yeah, 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 and actually Spock, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a pretty awesome book, but I um, yeah, I'm. I mean, I like Discovery. I have to like it because it's, it was written and created by one of my guys, and I'm fear I'm I'm loyal to like a fault. Alice Kurtzman could take a crap on my lawn, and I, I'd be like, <laughs> "It's the most awesome thing ever." <laughs> but no, but no, but uh, you know, in all serious in all seriousness, I'll I'll never forgive Alex for the mummy. Uh, uh, I was like the Tom Cruise one, right? The yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, I, was, I didn't like that movie. Do you think that Discovery is going to go the general, the, 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 do you think it's going to have that seven year run or do you think it's going to, uh, do you think it's going to stop short? I hope so. A lot of people are saying that maybe season five will be its last season, but I think, I think it can do a seven. I think it can go seven seasons and it, it really should. Like, I feel like, uh, it's a great show, especially after season three. I'm really intrigued. A little nervous about that teaser for season four. I don't want to see uh, one of the things that like one of my biggest critiques for uh, Star Trek uh, at the moment is that like, I think it's a little overplayed these like end of the galaxy, you know, phenomenons that are like the, the, like not everything has to be like the end of the galaxy or the end of civilization or the end of the world. Like we don't need that. You know, we got it in Star Trek Picard. We got it in in Star Trek Discovery season two and season three. You know, so like, I would like to see and season like, one kind of and yeah, season one kind of it was the end of the Federation. You know, with the Klingon War type of thing. But mm -hmm. that that's the thing about the that that's the thing about prequels is that they're kind of anticlimactic because if they're taking place in the same universe as something that comes later, you know, nothing's going to destroy the galaxy yeah, because you know not. that like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's always anticlimactic. Yeah. So season three worked a little better in that sense. Cause we didn't know what was going to happen. It's 32nd century. It's all brand new. So yeah, I would just like to see, like, I would like to see discovery find its way uh, into a show that presents like truly new ideas. Doesn't have to be an end of the world scenario at the end of every season with a gigantic battle or whatever you know and so i think we'll see that i hope we'll see that soon and i would love to see it go seven seasons for me personally 
I would love to see it uh, have a. I don't know why that number is so magical. You know, everyone wants a seven season. That's a one. magic number. I don't know why, but like, yeah, seven is a powerfully come magical on. You number. know, it's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but, but yeah, I I, I hope for it uh, to go that that far. Uh, Star Star Trek Picard supposedly they're only going to go three seasons and then stop because it's supposed to be like a limited series. I hope and, so. <laughs> but wait let me... i want them to go on forever too but yeah uh, but, but, i understand and i like the you... fact that it'll end you know it's going to be a complete story i hope yeah yeah but they can't go on forever because sir patrick stewart is they can't go on forever <laughs> no i know i know i'm they just can't. thinking wishfully i want them all to my my dream is for, to see them all together again i mean minus data of course but maybe he could be there as a hologram or something like that but it would be really nice to to see the crew reunite before could be that one well, before well, could be before well he's in a, he's really in a yeah he's in a box yeah, in, at a the box, daystrom yeah. at the daystrom institute so oh, yeah, yeah that's right he's in a box yeah yeah that's right for me i would love to see discovery go seven seasons and then have um have them do a movie and with the movie i want Alex Kurtzman to do the writing, and I want him to bring back. You're probably going to hate this. I want him to bring back uh, Roberto Orsi, but I know that's never going to happen. Oh, I don't hate that. I think Robert, I, I know he's never going to happen. Yeah, but he he did a pretty good. They both did a pretty good job with those Kelvin films. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I I credit the Kelvin films for reinjecting my love of Star Trek. So that so that's where my love of uh, uh, new Star Trek comes from. It all comes from the Kelvin timeline. So when I saw Picard and I saw what it was about, I'm like, oh, they're stitching it in. My Star Trek really counts. It counts. It matters. Well, was, season three of Discovery like really affirms it with Yon yeah. or Yor. Yeah. Sorry, the character Yor. Yor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but you know, I um, I'm actually going to interview uh, in about a year. I'm going to. I have it on the books. Right? I'm going to interview um, Roberto Orsi's wife. So I'm going to actually um talk to her and see what he's been doing because he's he really fell off the map after um after they went their separate ways so i'm gonna figure out what the hell he's doing because oh, i miss him great. yeah i miss him as a creative writer so yeah he uh he just means a lot to me so so can i ask you this are you one of those star trek fans who are obsessed with ships yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you weren't. Yeah, you weren't. There's like a people. ton of ships all over in my room and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I feel like I should know that about you, but I, I, <laughs> I, I wanted to, um, I wanted to confirm that a fact because I'm not. Well, for for me, when it comes to Star I Trek, the, I, is that the D back there? But where the Enterprise D is that it back there behind you? Yeah. Uh, what is it about your love of ships that that makes you so bananas? Because I couldn't, I, I can't, I can't, I, I don't get it. The thing that I love about the uh, ships is just, I, just they're like the ship of dreams for me, especially the Enterprise. I mean, my favorite is the A, even though it looks just like the 1701, but the oh. A for me is like my favorite because I like the Star Trek Six look, the bridge and like the way the ship looked in Star Trek Six is my favorite. Uh, and then after that, I think the E is my next favorite. Might be tied with the D. I'm not sure. Right now, spacecraft are tight and like, you know, they look like they can easily, you know, get knocked off course. Like there's not enough, you know, there's not enough room to move around and things like that. And so what's appealing about it is like 
to have a ship that that is spacious and big and can keep you safe for the most part, especially if you're on the Enterprise, you're guaranteed to be safe if you're on the Enterprise. Well, not guaranteed, but, you know, relatively speaking. Uh, and there's just something about the, you know, the way they look like, I think it's, 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 I mean, just that saucer section plus the drive section plus the nacelles, they just look cool as fuck to me. You know what I mean? Like there's something about it and all the variations you can create off that. Like I have the enterprise, I'm looking at the enterprise B. It's really cool looking. The Pasteur, I love, like, I just love, I just like, love the des- design aesthetic that, um, uh, Matt Jeffries and right. I forget who else and like a bunch of other people, but you know, so many people have built on that, of course, you know, throughout the mm-hmm. years. So I just love that design aesthetic to me. It, it also feels somehow realistic. Like I can't see, I can't see, um, I can see us creating ships that kind of look like that in the future um, and flying around in them. Could you see a ship like um, the Battlestar being a ship that we create one day? Oh yeah. That's actually probably more feasible. I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if, I mean, yeah, future humans, like maybe 500 years from now. Not us. Yeah, not us, but future humans in 500 years, maybe we'll create ships like the Galactica. Yeah, you know, no, but like, like for me, I, for me, the, the thing that I love about Star Trek is uh, the writing, the characters and the storylines. I've never yeah. looked at, I've never looked at Star Trek from a point of, oh, look at that ship is so fucking sexy. I want to have it. But you have to right? admit one of the things like a trope that's reoccurring and it started in the original series is the love of the ship, right? Like Captain Kirk yeah. loves his ship. Scotty loves the ship. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. Jean-Luc loves the Stargazer. Jordy loves the Enterprise. You know, it's surprising. I don't think we've seen that in Discovery now that I come to think of it. Hopefully but, Burnham and, you know, like someone just gushing over the Discovery and saying how beautiful, you know, like in show, in the show itself, like an engineer or someone... For- you know, just well, like just remarking at how beautiful she is and like things like that. But we've gotten that throughout the previous Star Treks. You know what I mean? Like people are always mm-hmm. saying that about their ship and stuff like that. And I think that's yeah. why I, uh, to a degree, it's like this thing is something that you take care of. And like it's your, you know, it's it's your little piece of home out there in the cold, dark vastness of space. <laughs> and that's what I like about it. You treat her like a lady and she'll always bring always you home. Always treat home. Yes. <laughs> yes come on yes well done well done with that being said my favorite enterprise ship is the 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 refit i i love that thing oh my god wow (laughs) i like it the nacelles are so cool too man yeah they are really cool i love the refit as well no but uh the one the one model that i've always wanted but nobody seems to make it and i don't know why I want somebody to build me a model of the Kelvin Enterprise, but I can't oh, find it anywhere. It's available. Uh, AMT makes one. I think you can still get it. Like Ravel, really? maybe Ravel or AMT make one. It's okay. hard to find, but I think you can find it on on eBay. And Eagle Ravel. Moss makes. I have it. Uh, in a, it's it's in a it's in a case uh, in another room. Okay. But Eagle Moss made the 2009 version. Uh, oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, it's available. I would love that ship. They have an Excel no, but, edition, too. Oh, nice. No, but um, I'm I'm sort of scared to death of uh, Eagle Moss and Hero Collector because I've I've heard the horror stories from from Trek Lad of of how of how, you know, sometimes it can be difficult to deal with those people. And sometimes oh, really? I didn't hear about that. Oh, OK, I've had only no, well, good experiences. I have a no, lot of their 
things and I've I've had only great experiences. No, well them. he well well he didn't he didn't say it to me directly, but he said on a on a live stream once that one time that he uh, that he ordered I think it was uh he ordered like little models of the defiant and like pieces of a uh, pieces of the models that he ordered came cracked and broken. So I think uh Damien going back to the Irish Trekkie who basically his whole channel if you watch he's reviewed pretty much every Eagle yeah, Moss yeah, yeah. uh ship and there have been times where he's he's said critiques about how like sometimes they will come like and I have to say my discovery model has a warped <laughs> a warped nacelle uh, mm-hmm. a warped. it's it's not noticeable on camera because it, it's very subtle but I am okay. a perfectionist and you know I I like things I like things to I don't know if you can see this but this yeah. one's just slightly off kilter. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And no, so, I, yeah, I like things to be perfect. So it yeah. is disappointing. But at the same time, um, you know, I haven't done it for this one, but I got another model that was like uh, kind of a little, like little off and they sent me a brand new one. And they told me to keep the one I had, which was cool. From, so I gave it to a friend. From Eagle Moss from Hero Collector. Eagle yeah. Moss. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, uh, uh, you know, a ship I really love. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the show because it's it's kind of known as knockoff Star Trek. Um, the Orville. I, yeah, I didn't, have to, I didn't <laughs> have to say. I I I love that show. I think it's a good show, and it's fun, and it definitely plays off the nostalgia of like Star Trek TNG but, type Berman era. But, but it just seems to me, it just I feel like I can predict it too much. Like I already know. Like you know what I mean? Like the stories just seem derivative and yeah. and stuff like that. That being said, I will still watch it when the new season comes out, just to yeah, I, uh, just to keep caught caught up. Thank you so much for being here for almost two hours. <laughs> Thanks and, for uh, keeping me on for two, yeah, almost two right. hours. This was so much fun. Uh, I know we got to know each other on Trek Lad in that big discussion because I it, when as soon as you said it, I remembered it. You were wearing a yellow. I think you were wearing like a yellow hoodie yeah, that day. Yeah, I'm, yeah. yeah I'm, See, I remembered. I remembered. I, yeah. <laughs> but, it's all right. But but I but I have to say, getting to know you has been really wonderful. So to me, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking an interest in me. And like, yeah, this is great. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. No, thank you so much for being on. And uh, uh, let's chat again. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys. Well, that'll do it for this edition of. The Red Wall Podcast, episode number 75, entitled Starfleet Boy. Just a bit of housekeeping before I go. If you like the show that I do here at all, I would appreciate a comment, a star rating, or a review on whatever podcast service you're listening to me on right now. That would help the show grow greatly. So from the bottom of my heart, I would really appreciate that. But if you're too busy to do that, I just appreciate you taking the time to listen to me geek out over Star Trek. With that being said, until next time, as I often say, I'll see you when I see you.